The following is a special sports presentation of UltimateSportsTalk.com. A swing and a pop-up. First base side foul ground playable. Santana makes the catch. The Indians have won the American League pennant. UltimateSportsTalk.com now presents the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. A comprehensive look at the Cleveland Indians and Cincinnati Reds. For the seventh consecutive season, we examine each team and their progress throughout the 2017 Major League Baseball season. And now, the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. Hi again, everyone, and welcome to another Monday night. I'm Dave Mitchell, and welcome to the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show here on UltimateSportsTalk.com. Glad to have you along on this Monday evening as the Indians are playing a makeup game tonight. They're in Boston at Fenway Park taking on the Red Sox this evening. This was a game that was postponed from about three weeks ago when the Indians were in Massachusetts. And the Reds, they're opening up a very important four-game set against the Chicago Cubs tonight at Wrigley Field. And right now, that thing is all tied up at 2-2. And we'll talk about that and more coming up on tonight's Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. But in order to do that, we've got to go down south and talk to our resident Reds expert, Mark Donahue. Mark, how are you tonight? I'm pretty good, Dave. Uh, the Reds uh, are actually, when the Reds are tied in a game, I consider that a victory. So I'm happy right now, and uh, it's two to two, as you said. And um, you know, seriously, the the Reds, uh, unlike the Indians, are, are obviously playing out the string right now. And this is the time where you have to find out what you're going to get next year. And uh, you know, the Reds have some great uh, young players in the lower minors, but for next year, you know, I, Dave, I don't think uh, the Reds are going to dip down into the minor leagues next year to pick up anybody, but I do want to point out that Nick Senzel uh, was the Southern player of the Southern League player of the week this week, or last week, at 522, four home runs, nine RBIs, and he is hitting 352 for the season in AA, so, you know, he is the, the, the shining light right now in the Reds minor league system, but I, I will hearken to say that uh, Jesse Winker was that guy two or three years ago, and so far Jesse has not impressed not only me, but he has not impressed a lot of people. Given his deficiencies in the outfield, uh, he is incredibly slow for a major league player. So you hope that his bat uh, is going to be the thing that carries him. But uh, it looks like Sinzel has a lot more talent uh, than, than Jesse Winker, and, and that's something the Reds can look forward to. Probably not in 2018, maybe the end of next, next year, but certainly for 2019. Mark, are you aware of what a doppelganger is? Yeah. Okay. I've been around. I David. talked with. <laughs> I talked with a guy in Chicago today that I could have swore was you. I almost thought that <laughs> you were pulling a fast one on me. And it was hilarious. I, I I swear it was you on the phone. I swear it, he sounded exactly like you do when you're on the show and on the phone. There's your doppelganger. What was he? He's in Chicago. What was his name? Uh, Greg Kite. Greg Kite. Yes. Well, uh, no, but but he must okay. he must be working for NBC or CBS or somebody like that. If he sounded like me, right, Dave? 
well, you know, I looked at it and said, thought, you know, well, he's got these <laughs> ruggedly handsome looks. It's got to be Mark, but it obviously wasn't. <clears throat> anyway, let's get back to this. First of all, do you think we'll even catch a whiff of Sinzel with the Reds in September? I don't think so. Uh, I don't see much point in bringing him up. That you know, there's there's nothing to be gained by that. Uh, he's not going to help the team, um, and I think he'll get his chance next year. And uh, he's the kind of guy that if you if you bring up uh, after you know the, the May cutoff date for for getting his his years in, uh, you know, it all depends what he does between now and next year. He'll probably probably play winter ball. And if, if that's the case, and he, and he produces, this guy clearly is going to be on this roster next year, one way or the other. Uh, you don't draft him number one and not put him on the roster when he's eligible to come on, you know, to be on the major league team. So the question is, is what do you do with him when you bring him up, given the way Suarez is playing? Suarez is playing all-star third base defensively, and he's sitting 260. He's, he's Twenty home runs. Uh, he's having a good year, so I, I don't know how you. As a matter of fact, you know, I thought he hit another one out here. Uh, Suarez. Uh, they said to that tonight uh, when that question was posed that maybe you move Suarez over to shortstop again. But I think you're going to be giving up some range with him at short. And if I was Suarez, uh, I would sign Cozart, uh, put him at shortstop next year. Uh, and try and get uh, Scooter Jeanette in the lineup next year, and you're going to have a, and maybe put uh, put Sinzel at second base, uh, rather, or you could move Suarez to second. That is another that is another option if you kept Zach uh, Cozart. Uh, but that would give you a very very potent offensive infield. That's for sure. Uh, so uh, a lot of decisions are going to be made between now and next April. And for the Reds to compete, and to, to me, competing next year means you're going to be a 500 ball club. And I, I you know, if you were 500, I, I think that's two big mistakes, Mark. I think moving Senzel or Suarez to second base is, are two big mistakes. First of all, Suarez couldn't play shortstop in Detroit, and they were desperate for a shortstop at the time that they had him, and there was. They got rid of him because they knew he couldn't play shortstop, and they already were solid at third base. And as far as Senzel going to to second base, he's too big. He'd be like an Ian, Ken, Ian Kinsler for Detroit. And, by the way, we'll talk about him coming up in just a little bit. But Kinsler in Detroit, his defensive liabilities are the fact that he's too big. Well, it depends on what you're going for. And I mean, you know, somebody brought up another point. Uh, you know, the, one of the best arms on the team is Billy Hamilton in center field. And he's playing all-star, all-star um, center field, no question about it. But don't forget, this guy came up as an infielder. And, you know, I, I just wonder if they ever give thought to putting Billy Hamilton back at second base, where I think he could play second. If you can play shortstop, you can play second base. So there's, there's a lot of moving pieces here with the Reds. And I wish they would take a chapter out of the Chicago Cubs Madden book. His players play everywhere. It gives him all kinds of options defensively, even offensively, when you have guys who can play two, three, four positions. Uh, 
and many of the Cubs can do that. And I wish the Reds would consider that with some of their guys, but the Reds are so conservative in the way that they approach everything. And uh, in terms of their, their their talent level, they're clearly not the Cubs yet, but you're going to have some tough decisions to make next year. I mean, if Sinzel is hitting 350, 360 at the end of the year in AA, you've got a decision to make. Oh, absolutely. But the thing about it is, Mark, I agree with you with what Madden does, but if you notice, he never messes around with shortstop or second base. He leaves his double play combo right there, and, and he doesn't mess with it. Now, he'll he'll take his third baseman and move him all over. He'll take his outfielders and move them all over. He'll move his catchers all over the place, but he is solid with his second and shortstops. Well, that's yeah, that's a luxury when you have two guys that stand out like the, 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 the Keystone combination for the Cubs, but the Reds aren't there yet. And next year, it, it's going to be very interesting to see the decisions they make because – they're going to define for for all of us how they view their minor league system next year, because they're going to have to make decisions in terms of who they keep on the 25 and the 40 man roster, because they have so many young pitchers that are occupying a lot of space on AAA that has simply not performed, and they're going to have to pull the plug on some of these guys. I mean, Sal Romano, I saw him pitch yesterday. You, you probably saw him too, Dave. He's not a he's not a major league pitcher. He's not close to being a major league pitcher. So, you know, what do you do with him? Do you release him? Do you keep him in AAA for the next three years? And they have four or five guys down there like that, maybe more, that just have not panned out. So at some point, you have to say, you know, adios. You haven't lived up to expectations. And despite the fact that he gave you a $3 million signing bonus, you're going to have to go. And so... That that's going to be very telling, and the only hope I have is that their new GM, who would not be responsible for those guys, you know, that are on the team now, he mm-hmm. might be able to make those tough decisions where Walt Jockety would not, because it would undercut his own decision making. No, that that's true. Mark J. Bruce, you know, there were some rumors a couple of years ago that he was going to Cleveland. Boy, you and I talked about. Some of the trades were being rumored that the Indians and the Reds were talking about, but the Reds ended up trading Jay Bruce to the New York Mets. Well, the Mets last Thursday night traded Jay Bruce to the Cleveland Indians, so he is their new right fielder. You know, Mark, I I saw that trade, and at first it, it surprised me that the Indians would go after an outfielder, being that they're stocked with outfielders. But considering the fact that Lonnie Chisenhall is out, right now and who knows when he'll be back and Michael Brantley went down the night before with an ankle injury now they put him on the 10-day disabled list but if you saw the injury it almost looked Mark like his Achilles tendon snapped the way he went down and luckily that was not the case you know obviously Red fans uh, of any age remember Bobby Tolan snapping his Achilles heel back in 71. Well, that's just what the Indians do not need, is Michael Brantley doing the same thing, but he didn't. It's just a severe ankle sprain, so he's probably out for another couple more weeks. But the Indians decided that they needed another outfielder. And, you know, quietly, and it's hard to believe that somebody could do something this quiet in New York, 
But Jay Bruce was having a pretty good year for the Mets, and basically, Mark, they gave him up for a song. They gave him up for nothing. They gave him up for a double-A pitcher in the minor leagues that the Indians just had absolutely no regard for, and that's who they traded for Jay Bruce. Well, clearly it was a salary dump. And, you know, the Mets, uh, as much money as they have, uh, they're, they're like every other team. Jay Bruce wasn't going to be in their plans for the future. And, it's, you know, it's amazing. Uh, you know, Cespedes is the guy who eats up all the money on that contract. But I, I heard yesterday that he was on the, he was on the trading block, and he, he actually made it through waivers. Uh, but he, his contract is much bigger than Jay's, I think. Uh, they, they just resigned him last year, I believe. And But, you know, Jay Bruce... He's a good guy, you know, and, and I, I hope he he gets the kind of notoriety in Cleveland that he didn't get in Cincinnati, because he was a he was a solid player. Uh, he was a guy who was good in the clubhouse. Everybody liked Jay Bruce, and you know, I think every Reds fan uh, appreciated what he did here. And I, I really hope he finds a home in Cleveland with the DH. You know, it could be that he could be around for a while. Uh, in, in the American League, so uh, you know, I think it's good news for Jay. Yeah, t- talk a little bit about what kind of ball player Jay Bruce is. Well, I think he's underrated uh, defensively. Uh, I think you're going to find, if he's going to be playing in the outfield, which I think he will, at least short term, that he's much better than you might think. He's a big man. He's got a very good arm, very accurate arm. And, and he gave him the gap. That's what I liked about Jay. He got to the gap quick. Uh, and he, he, he made all the plays. He may not be the fastest guy, but good hands. Uh, he'll surprise you with his speed, a good arm, all, all those things. He, he's just a solid ball player. The only thing Jay Bruce didn't do well was hit for average. Had he hit 20, 30 points higher, uh, you'd be talking about a different level player, uh, than he is. Although he's, you know, he's had a lot of home runs in his career. Uh, he's hit 30 home runs several times. Uh, he, he's, he's a good baseball player, and I, I think he's going to help Cleveland. And by the way, I think what Cleveland did was what you and I complained they did not do three or four years ago. They smell it. They know if they get to the playoffs, they have a chance to win the World Series. And they're not going to let a potential injury uh, keep that from happening. So I, I, I applaud the front office if they that work out. But they went out there and tried to improve the team, and you can't ask for any more than that. Mark, here's the numbers for Jay Bruce in New York. This is just with the Mets through 103 games this year. He had 29 home runs, 75 RBIs in 406 at-bats. Mark, this guy, and he struck out 102 times, so that's a strikeout once per game. You know, on the average of what Major League ball players are doing right now, that's pretty much average, striking out one one time per game. He's got an on-base percentage of 321, a slugging percentage of 520, an OPS of 841. Mark, he's been outstanding. I mean, the Indians, you look at it, and this is a steal for the Tribe, but I guess it raises my eyebrows, and I wonder why did nobody else want to go after Jay Bruce? Well, I, I think the, it depends on where a team is. You know, if you recall during the, the trading deadline, very, very few position players uh, got traded. I think only one, during, you know, before J- July 31st. So there's just not a call for a lot of uh, position players right now because the teams are loaded. 
Uh, you know, they, they've got what they need. They needed pitching. So, you know, I think what's great in, in this deal for Cleveland, Jay Bruce, you know, he, I, I forget how old he is. He's, what, 32, 31, 32? 32. Something like that. 32. Well, he still has an outfielder, particularly in the American League. He's got a lot of years left. So next year, if, if the Indians uh, feel that they have excess outfield abilities, they could take Jay Bruce and trade him for somebody who might help them in the bullpen, or they need need a second baseman, or whether you know whatever they might need. So I think it, it was it was a smart move, and as you said, they got him for a steal. And I don't know if somebody will pick up his contract next year, but he, he's got a you know he's got a number of years left, and I think the Indians made a real good deal. And Mark, what this allows the Indians to do in their lineup is put Bruce at number five, right behind Encarnacion, who's batting cleanup. Now, Bruce coming into tonight was five for 12 with the Indians, and he had three RBIs, and tonight he's one for three, and no, uh, no RBIs, but he's walked a couple of times also in the ballgame. But then that also allows the Indians, who have been pretty much anemic all year, offensively, to move Jose Ramirez up to that number three spot. Now, if they keep him there or if they move Ramirez to number two and keep Lindor in the leadoff spot, Mark, then when Brantley comes back, they can move him back into that number three spot. And the Indians lineup all of a sudden looks a lot better than it did about three weeks ago. And you know what surprises me, Mark, is I heard on the radio, I was listening to some stations up in Cleveland, and I want to get your opinion of something after I make this point. But you know, the Indians coming into tonight, 63 and 52. 11 games above 500. They're in first place. They're four and a half games above Minnesota in the American League Central Division. Now let me, let me run some numbers by you. You're, you're good at numbers. Just, I'm not gonna recite numbers, but let's talk career years. You've got Boston with Xander Bogarts who's having a career year. Jackie Jackie Bradley Jr., who's having a career year. The third baseman, who's having a career year. You've got guys like that. Mitch Moreland, who's playing first base, who's having a career year. Chris Sale, having a career year. Then you look over at the New York Yankees. And what do you have? You've got the big guy in the outfield that's having a career year, the rookie. You've got the catcher, Sanchez, having a career year. You've got Chase Headley who had great years, not great years, but, you know, good years in San Diego. He's having a career year in New York. Then you go down to Houston. They're in first place in the West. They're they're having one of the best seasons next to the Los Angeles Dodgers that anybody could have. And they've got Correa, who's on the disabled list, but he was having a career year. Strickland having a career year. Dallas Keuchel on the mound having a career year. My point is, Mark, when you look at the Indians this season, Who's having a career year? Nobody. Nobody. You're right. And they're still in first place by four and a half games. You've got Corey Kluber, who's having a typical Corey Kluber year, 11-3. and three. You've got Carlos Carrasco, same thing. Danny Salazar, same thing. Michael Brantley, same thing, typical year. Carlos Santana, same thing. Edwin Encarnacion, probably a little less than what his career year is have been. Francisco Lindor has been a little down this year. Jason Kipnis hasn't been in the lineup but maybe 50% of the time because of hamstring injuries. 
You've got Zimmer who came up. You don't know what you've got there. Chisenhall, nothing. You've got Jan Gomes who's playing better than he did last year, but still not as good as what his career years have been. My point is all these teams that are in first place, Washington, the Dodgers, I guess you, you you don't have to put the Cubs in this because the Cubs are the same as the Indians, I guess is my point. But the Indians do not have anybody that's had a career year, and they're still in first place. And that tells me that they've got a lot of room to improve between now and the end of the year more than these other teams do. Well, it tells me something else, though, Dave, that, that they're playing in a, in a division uh, where Minnesota is in second place now, and Minnesota is not a very good ball club. I mean, they're better, but I think if you're a Cub fan, if you are a Indian fan, you've got to be a little concerned. I mean, I, clearly, I, I believe, I'd bet a lot of money the Indians are going to win the division, but they're only four and a half games ahead now. And at, at this point, I would have bet early on, that they would have been 12, 15 games ahead in that division. They were that good. The same with the Cubs. I mean, the Cubs are in a battle here with Milwaukee and now St. Louis. St. Louis, I don't know what happened yesterday, but uh, they were only a game behind. So, you know, the Cubs and the Indians, I think, while playing well, what you said, they're 11 games over 500, the, the Indians? I mean, yes. I, I would have thought they would have been much more uh, above 500 than that. But when you look at this team, Mark, and you see that nobody is really having a career year, I think where they're at is pretty respectable. But here's here's another thing I wanted to get to. You know, I kind of got away from listening to Cleveland Sports Talk Radio because as far as I'm concerned, the guys up there are just complete idiots. And Chris Fedor on Saturday uh, basically – reinforced my opinion that the sports talk show hosts up there are complete and utter idiots. His comment was, Mark, the Indians have Corey Kluber in their starting rotation and nothing else. Nothing else in a starting what? rotation and nothing <laughs> else. Now, either this guy was on drugs the night before and was still suffering from a letdown, or he really doesn't know anything about baseball. And I would be willing to bet that both of them are correct. <laughs> well, uh, clearly the the Indians are in first place with no one having a career year, as you said a couple times, uh, because of their pitching and because they're starting pitching, uh, mainly. So whoever said that wasn't playing with a full deck. But at some point, the, um, the cream will rise to the top, but the Breds have a much different challenge ahead of them than Indians do. The Indians are set for the next three or four or five years, and you're going to have ebbs and flows with position players, no question about that. And the point is that the Indians not playing their best can compete in a division like the American League Central is this year. My question is, uh, if they were playing in another, you know, if the Indians were playing in the the American League West or the National League West, uh, they probably what be eight games behind, twelve games behind, something like that. So a lot of it depends on who you're playing in in what division and what kind of years the competition is having. I I, I still think the Indians are probably going to win by six or eight games this year. I, I'd be shocked if they didn't. 
But, you know, some of these guys you say are not having career years. You wonder if what they did last year when they had career years are the best years they're ever going to have. And that would cause me some concern. But even with that, with the pitching you guys got, uh, you know, this team can compete for a number of years, even if guys aren't producing at the top of their game. You know, I would agree with you, except for the fact that when the Indians go head-to-head with the Bostons, the Yankees, and the Houstons in the American League, they're 500. When they go head-to-head with the Dodgers and the Rockies, which they have done, they've lost one game more than they have won. And now they've still got a couple of games left to go with the Rockies uh, out in Colorado coming up later on this month. But, you know, when they when it comes time, I guess my point is is that this team seems to know that they can win this division not playing as well as they have to, but when they face the upper echelon teams in the American League and the National League, they know what they've got to do. Now, that's the same exact thing, Mark, that we were saying about the Cavaliers throughout the NBA season, and you saw how that ended up. They got into the finals and lost in five games to the Warriors, so that didn't end up too well. But it just appears like this team just moves along at its own pace, and then when they have to turn it on, they're able to flip the switch. And I don't know, can you manage that way? Can you play that way? I mean, I know it's a long it, season, it's a marathon, but what? It, it, it's a scary way to play, and especially when you have the expectations that the Cubs have on them and the Indians have on them. And I picked those two teams because, obviously, they played in the World Series. <clears throat> and, and I think they are just underperforming. Both teams are underperforming based mm-hmm. on preseason expectations. Now, does that mean they were overrated going in? Possibly. Uh, did the guys over, overperform last year? Possibly. Uh, did the league adjust to them? Yeah, that, that's a possibility too. So a lot of, a lot of things go into this, uh, with, with a team's performance over the course of 162 games. You, you don't have any more teams that, that just dominate year after year after year. It just doesn't happen. So you, you, you have these ebbs and flows with organizations. Look at the Giants. You know, the Giants won three World Series uh, over the last six years. And now they're, what, 35 games out of first place because they ran up against a team like the Dodgers that went to the moon. So the Indians, I think, are a very solid ball club. So are the Cubs, better than the other teams in their division, but maybe not as as good as we thought they were. And, again, there's 45 games left in the year. The Indians can still win this thing by 10 games, but if I'm an Indians fan, uh, I'm not I'm not forgetting about Minnesota or Kansas City. I think Minnesota is probably overperforming right now. Uh, I thought they were out of it last week, and they won five or six games in a row. So there, there's a lot of baseball to be played for sure, but uh, I'd be a little concerned if I was particularly a Cubs fan, maybe more so than the Indians fans. You know, what this season reminds me of, Mark, a lot is the 97 season when the Indians were two years off going to the World Series, 96, they got beat by the Yankees. And then they go into 97, and they end up with less than 90 wins. They win the division by about five or six games. 
they don't have home field advantage for anything. And they end up going to the World Series, and they're within one strike of winning the World Series over the Florida Marlins. And, you know, that that's what this season reminds me of, Mark, just the regular season, the standpoint that this team just never has been able to put everything together and really run off. I mean, they've run off a nine-game winning streak, but that's it. I mean, that's what they've done. This has been a team that's won three or four in a row, then they lose two or three, then they win another two or three in a row, then they lose one or two. It's been that way the entire season. But I think they did make – I agree with you, Mark, that the Indians went out and did what they had to do in order to solidify two parts of their ball game. One was the Jay Bruce, Jay Bruce trade. The second one was when they went out and they got Joe Smith again from Toronto. He has taken over that bullpen spot from Brian Shaw, and he's running with it. He's pitching tonight against Boston, doing an outstanding job. This weekend he pitched twice for the Indians in their games against Tampa Bay. Didn't allow a hit this weekend, Mark. This guy has been lights out since coming over from Toronto, and he's really solidified that part. Now when they get Andrew Miller back this Friday, that's going to solidify this bullpen, and maybe now they can, as you said, start pulling away and getting themselves set up for the playoffs. Hey, Dave, let me ask you a question, uh, purely theoretical. What, how many games do you think a Cleveland Indians team would win if you have your current pitching staff healthy and the 1997 lineup? <laughs> um. Boy, a lot. You know, that was that that was the problem with that team was pitching. But let let me ask you this question. Let me ask the, the same question to you in a different way. What do you where do you think the Reds would be right now if they had the Indians pitching? I think the Reds would be in first place by five games, maybe more. I agree with the, you. The, the the Reds starting eight. I think match up very favorably with the Indians. I really do. I mean, I think that you, you go position for position, and I mean, the Reds are going to get hit 230 home runs this year. That's that, that's the pace they're on. Uh, they're going to score a lot of runs. They play great defense. I think they were number two in defense in the major leagues right now. Uh, their bullpen isn't bad. It's the starting pitching. And you give me Cleveland starting pitching with this Reds uh, lineup, and they're going to win a lot of ball games. That, that, that's, a, that's a very good question. There's only one guy out of the Indians' bullpen, or out of the Reds' bullpen, that I would put on the Indians right now, and that's Iglesias. Yeah, I mean, I think overall your your, your bullpen is better, but 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 the, the entire pitching staff I'm talking about. If you just transported pitching staffs uh, to to the Reds, uh, you know, forty man roster, that team's going to win a hundred games. I mean, they're 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 a very good uh, team outside of their starting pitching. Now, what's the deal with Stevenson? They've taken him off the DL. They're going to bring him back up and let him throw a few games? Well, he pitched the other night. He pitched uh, yesterday, I guess. Uh, oh, pitched okay. two scoreless innings. So he, he's going to get a chance to uh, to start again. And uh, I don't know if you saw it, but it looks that Devin Mesoraco may have broken his foot tonight. He oh. got hit with a pitch. In the, I think it was Mark, in the second inning. It, it's that time. guy, talk about being snake bit. Yeah, it, it's time. You you just cannot continue 
to let this guy get hurt over and over and over again. I, I'm just not Dude, seeing. How, how do you stop it? How do you stop him? You get rid of the guy. You get rid well, of the guy. I mean, and I've been I've been advocating that now for a year. Who's going to take him, Dave? He said in 206. Uh, you're right. He's coming back from three years of injuries. He, he may be out now for the rest of the year. Uh, who's going to take him? I, I think you'll be able contract. to find. You'll be able to find somebody. Well, you know, and I don't know who the Reds are going to replace him with, unless they Tucker go out and Barnhart. trade for it. I mean, that, well, he's already Checker Barnhart's already playing. He just got yeah. another hit just now. I mean, he's playing all the time. So, I mean. It, it's really sad what happened to Mezzarocco because he had a, such a promising career, and the injuries have just snake bit the guy. Yeah, I yeah, I just don't think they can continue on this way and and just wait and wait and wait for this guy to come back. Mark Saturday, there were a couple of reviews. Now I got to be honest, I did not see what <laughs> happened, but you said you did. What what happened on these instant replay reviews on Saturday in the eighth and ninth inning that the Reds were so upset about? Well, uh, Kevlahan got hit, and so did uh, Adam Duvall. And what happened was uh, they're, they're right-handed, obviously, in the batter's box, and they got hit on the hand, and the ball ended up in the catcher's mitt on two strikes. They got hit. On each occasion, the umpire said it hit the bat and into the catcher's mitt, which would have meant it was a strikeout. Now, both players got, you know, they, they got irate. And, and, and instant replay showed they were right. <laughs> they did get hit. And the umpire missed it twice. So what is insane is so did New York. They missed it twice. And that's when Mezzarocco got thrown out, by the way. And it, it's, it's ridiculous. If you're going to have instant replay <clears throat> and you can't, see something like that, then why have it? What's the point? If you miss those plays, what is the point? Mark, do you get the feeling that sometimes when they go to these replays in New York, some guy's on a coffee break or bathroom break or something and and just walks in and, and just makes the call safe out and doesn't even look at it? No, I don't think that happens. I, I think... <laughs> They, they they bend over backwards uh, to protect the umpires, and if there's any any way they can justify the call being accurate on the field, they will do that. But these these were clearly situations where the player got hit, and they, they did not call it. You know, and another thing about the umpires, last week Joe West was suspended for three games because of comments he made about Adrian Beltre in a magazine article and saying that Beltre was the biggest belly acre there is on ball strike calls. And, you know, Mark, there are, there are times where I think umpires deserve to be suspended, but this was not one of them. No, I, I don't think so either. I mean, this is not, not that big a deal. Um, he didn't say anything that disparaging about a player. And so what? Joe West has been around. He, he's umpired over 5,000 games. Uh, I don't think he cares. <laughs> he's suspended three games. Uh, and I've heard a lot worse things being said. 
And, you know, I didn't hear what happened with the, the, the lawsuit from the Empire. What was his name? The guy we hate. It's still going on. Uh, Angel Hernandez. It, uh, Angel yeah. Hernandez, yeah. I, he, he's the, the he's a guy a, that I think should, probably should have been suspended five or six times in his career. Yeah, he's a clown. He uh, is. I, I don't know why he's, yeah. he's still umpiring, but that's, that's the league, I guess. <laughs> It's just one of it's one of these weeks, isn't it, Mark? Where just nothing seems to be going right. <laughs> Gosh, it happens. You know, yeah, you know. But okay, you know, I opened up the show by talking about this series with the Cubs being a very important one for the Reds, and and in all honesty, it, it's not important, Mark, from the standings, although. If the Reds would take three out of four from the Cubs, especially in Wrigley Field, that would be a big accomplishment. But, you know, for this team and this pitching staff, at this point in time, to win three out of four from Chicago in Wrigley Field, I really think, Mark, that that would be just one of those things that could really tip the iceberg in the in the way of the Reds. It'd be a, It'd really be something that they could learn from. This team between now and the end of the year has to establish their identity for next year. And there's a lot of guys that are playing for, for jobs for 2018. And I'm not sure that they're going to have a lot of decisions they have to make with their starting eight. But this starting rotation, and you're right to the extent that this starting rotation, the guys that, that, that are on the rotation now, if they want to be there next year, this is the time that it's going to be decision-making is made because uh, spring training is a terrible time to decide who your starting rotation is. It's too late. Uh, Those guys are what they are. And, you know, all the great uh, performances you see in spring training, and you never hear from those players again. Spring training is not the indicator. It's what you do in the regular season the year before and what you do over the course of winter ball. Because you're playing for something that's important, at least relative to to winter ball, but this team has they have probably twelve potential starting pitchers next year, and I can't think of any of them. I can't think of one of them that has come forward to solidify a position for next year. Can you think of one red starter right now that you can guarantee is going to be in the rotation next year? Uh, barring a trade, Homer Bailey. I'm not so sure, Dave. I'm really? not. I'm not sure about that. Yeah, I mean, he, he is not pitching with a major league arm right now. Uh, he he's he's throwing the ball 93, 94, 95. There's no movement on the ball. He has he has very little control. And what I look at is how many swings and misses are, are, are these guys getting? Because major league hitters will tell you what your stuff is. And he got hammered the other night, even though he only gave up two runs in five in five innings. He got hit hard, and that that that's what scares me. And if you if you look at their potential rotation next year, Di Scafani is still a huge question mark for next mm-hmm. year. He may have to have another surgery. So I can't think of one guy that I'm going to look to as a potential starter other than Lorenzen. And Iglesias. You could, you'll take them out of the bullpen and put them in the rotation. Oh, oh, absolutely, absolutely. Because they're going to get you know thirty starts a piece next year. 
that's that's 40% of your starting rotation, those two guys. And I would find a bullpen. I mean, it, it doesn't do you any good to be in last place and have Rasil Iglesias come in and pitch. Who cares? It's the same with, the, the same with Chapman. They were in last place, and Chapman would get 35 saves and pitch, you know, 50 innings a year. Well, big deal. Who cares? You've got to get that starting rotation done first and then figure out the bullpen. You don't think the uh, the, the opportunities that, although they've, They've been opportunities, but it's been inopportune at most times for the Reds. But they've been able to bring up a lot of pitchers this year because of injuries and have a look at them at the major league level. You don't think over the course of time that that's going to be of benefit to the Reds? I think it's a benefit, but I can't think of one that has stood out and and you say, oh, yeah, there's our future ace. I, I, I just haven't seen it. You have a lot of guys who have good starts and bad starts and then terrible starts. Uh, so th- th- there's nobody that has come up and you say, yeah, that's that's my guy. That's my number three guy for sure. Because our number three guy is probably not even making your rotation. You know, that's that's the problem. What about the Asher rest- Wojciechowski? There's no depth. Yeah. What, what about Asher Wojciechowski? Mark, he, he's in well, the he's ball game tonight, tonight against the Cubs. Yeah, but they, they yeah, it, it, have they settled in on him as a starter yet? Oh yeah, yeah, he's he's going to be a starter. I mean, this guy's six, what, six seven, two forty five. He's a, he's a big dude. He's got the he's got the arm, and he's not pitching badly. But he he's he's not the kind of guy you want to build a rotation around. No, but still, I mean, he's got some promise. Like what? Well, I mean, every time he, he pitches well. I mean, you you've seen him over the last three ball games. Mark, he's pitched outstanding baseball for them. You know, yeah, he's given up some key hits and key opportune times, but he's young. You've got, you know, they're giving this kid an opportunity, but it just seemed like to me they were bouncing him back and forth between the rotation and the bullpen, and then they even let him I go at that point. They did, and. I- <laughs> this guy was a former number one pick, by the way. You know, by, by, was it the Angels? I forget where they got him from. But he, he he has he has not taken the bull by the horns, as it were, and solidified a position for himself because he's been inconsistent. Mm-hmm. He'll come out and throw two or three good innings, and then he'll give up five hits in an inning and, and give up four runs. That's that's my point. You have a lot of guys like him, and he's looked he's looked reasonably good, better than most. But he's not that guy you say, oh, yeah, he's going to be a, a number one. The Reds don't have that in their organization right now. You don't think they've got a number one pitcher in their system at all? Can you think of one? Hmm. Good question. You know, may, you know maybe I, Tyler Maley. You know, Maley is a—he's not a hard thrower, but he's a good pitcher. But they've not given him a chance yet this year. Why not? I mean, they're in last place. Why not bring him up and find out what he can do? Do they know something we don't? We thought, you know, Sullivan or um, oh, my mind just left me. Uh, <laughs> the guy we've been beating up on for the last Stevenson. seven years, Stevenson. Yeah, Stevenson. Uh, it, Stevenson has been the guy. He's been our he's our number one ace. He's coming up. Well, he, he's no he's 
if he makes the rotation next year, uh, is probably going to be because, or makes the staff, he'll be in the bullpen. He he's, has not shown that he is a starter that can last more than three or four innings. No, I agree with you on that. I, I mean, he's he's one of the ball players, Mark. That if I was running the Reds, hit. Of course, I've already talked about Mesoraco. He'd be the other one that I would unload for a ball of bags, a, a bag of balls. That's what I would do. I, I don't care what I'd get back for the guy. I I just cannot. I cannot any further go go with Robert Stevenson and his antics. You know, I look at that and I compare him to Trevor Bauer. Mark, Trevor Bauer, for all his antics and all of his mind games and everything, his weird quirks, he still now has put together five consecutive quality starts for the Indians. One against the Yankees, one against the Red Sox here tonight, in which the Indians won 7-3. to three. He picked up the victory in the ballgame. Mark, he has got the the potential of being one of the best pitchers in baseball if he can get his head wrapped around his little idiosyncrasies. I think Robert Stevenson has got the same thing if he would become coachable. But from what I'm understanding, and of course you and I have talked about this ad nauseum, it appears to us, and from what I've heard Delino DeShields say down in Louisville, Stevenson is not coachable. He won't listen. Well, you know, I don't know the inside on that, and, and none of us do. I mean, you, you hear rumors. Um, you look at their their potential starters for next year, and of course, the guy who who stands out right now is, is Luis Castillo. Uh, but even he, the last two or three times out, he's been touched up, he's given up some home runs, he's been wild, and he may have the best arm on the staff, but he's not proved it. And you look at their 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 rotation uh, or their pitching staff. Now you've got Tim Adelman. Tim Adelman, he's he's pitching badly on a last place ball club. He he should not be in the big leagues. He should be a Triple A guy, and his stuff indicates that. The ERA indicates that. You've got Homer Bailey coming back from two arm surgeries, really three arm surgeries. And we have no idea what's going to happen with him. Castillo is an unknown. Scott Feldman's probably going to be traded. You've got Iglesias, Michael Lorenzen, Wandy Peralta, who I think could be a starter, actually, Dave. This guy is six foot, 200 pounds, left-hander, throws 97, 98. Uh, I, I like him. Sal Romano, Kevin Shackelford. Th- th- these are minor league players at best. Robert Stu- Stevenson, Drew Storen. I bet du- Drew Storen will be traded. Uh, Wojciechowski and Blake Wood, that's your pitching staff. Tell me, of that the, the, the names I just mentioned to you, how many of those guys make your rotation? Our rotation with the Indians? Yeah. None. Not, yeah. not even Hunter your, Bailey. Not even Homer yeah. Bailey. And, and how many make your pitching staff, totally? Uh, like I said, possibly Iglesias, that's it. Yeah, that that's the problem. You You just articulated the problem. The Reds don't have a pitching staff, nor and in the minor leagues it's even it's even worse. Reed down there is getting killed. <laughs> he was he was supposed to be, you know, one of a starting uh, number three starter this year for this team. He's got like a five ERA in the minor leagues. So th- there's a lot of 
problems in this pitching staff that are not going to be fixed uh, with one or two players. You have to remake the staff. And next year, there's no guarantee Homer Bailey's going to come back. I don't think he is. I don't think he, I don't think he gives a hoot if he comes back or not. I like Castillo. I think he'll be in the rotation next year. But beyond that, I mean, if it was me, I'd have a rotation next year. I'd have Castillo. I'd have Iglesias. I'd have Lorenzen. And I have Wandy Peralta, and then go out and find a number number five starter. That would at least keep you in games. And with this offense, uh, I think you'd win some games. Now, do you have to rebuild your bullpen? You sure do. But I'd rather try to rebuild a bullpen where I'm going after guys who can pitch one or two innings than trying to get guys who are going to go up there and, and, and try and um, you know pitch seven or eight innings and they give you two or three. That that does kill your bullpen. You know, it'll be interesting to see what both teams do during the winter months, although the Indians really don't have any free agent possibilities on this team, with the exception of Carlos Santana. And, Mark, I'm almost to the point where if Carlos Santana leaves this team, I, I'm fine with it. Uh, he's been one that has been a major disappointment ever since he came over from the Los Angeles Dodgers, which, by the way, are the Dodgers just having – one of those seasons, Mark, or are they really, do they really have the talent to be that much better than every team in baseball? I think that they've got the talent, and I think they've, the, the, the situation with the Dodgers reminds me of the Reds back in the 70s, that they had all the talent in the world, they just couldn't put it together. And you look at the Dodgers over the last three or four years, They've, they always had the talent, always, and they always underperformed. And this year, they put it all together, and now you have Puig playing good. You, you've got all these guys playing very, very well at the same time, and they have a lot of depth. Their bullpen is terrific. Their bullpen is locked down, uh, and, but they have that great starting pitching, too. So th- th- that team is for real, but, you know, the, it's the, the playoffs – it's a second season, and it really doesn't matter what you do, in, you know, to get there. <laughs> Pardon me. You, you simply have to get there. And the Dodgers would be the last team I'd want to play uh, if I was in the National League playoffs. What's their weakness? You tell me. I mean, they've got team speed. They've got good defense. They've got a great bullpen. And, you know, right now they, they're <laughs> – I mean, they're just rolling over everybody, and they're, they're, they are far and away the best team in baseball right now. And nobody, I can't think of anybody even close. But that doesn't mean anything in October. Right. It, it all starts. I mean, you get you get a hot team that barely squeaks into the playoffs. You know, maybe it's Milwaukee. It won't be Milwaukee, but maybe um, I'm trying to think who would be a wild card they'd have to play. Uh, well, it could be, be it could from, be Milwaukee. Milwaukee, uh, that, Colorado? That, that, Colorado? I think it would be Colorado. Um, or somebody, maybe Arizona. That they've got to play, you know, in the first round of the playoffs. And that that's scary. That, that team is loose. Uh, that's why the, the wild cards have, have been very successful, relatively speaking, in, in, the, in, the, in the playoffs, in the World Series. They're not supposed to be there, so that, that they play nice and loose. The Dodgers go into this thing. And they're going to be odds-on favor to win it. And if they don't, they've just ruined their season. 
You know, what's funny is if you look at the wild card standings right now, Arizona and Colorado have big leads over St. Louis, Milwaukee, and Pittsburgh, Mark. Those are the next three out of the Central Division. And then Miami out of the Eastern Division uh, is in the uh, number six slot as far as the wild card possibility goes in the National League. In the American League, you've got the Yankees and the Los, Los Angeles Angels. You know, Mike Sosha, how in the world? Here we go again. How did he? How does he keep his job? This is how. He keeps his team right around, and then right in the very last, they'll watch the last week of the year, Mark, they'll fall flat on their face and won't make the playoffs. But Minnesota and Kansas City are right there, ready to take the spot of the Angels if they don't make it. Hey, Dave, just to back up a little bit, you mentioned Mojahowski. And, you know, what's just happened here in the last ten minutes is is exactly what happens with all these pitchers. He, he had given up only two runs, gave up two runs in the first inning. He struggled through the the second, third, he's in the fourth, and just gave up four runs in the fourth inning. That's what these guys do. They they can they can struggle. He just took an eighty mile an hour curveball to uh, Bryant. Bryant hit it about four hundred feet. But these guys are not ready for the major leagues. They don't have the talent. It's not they're bad guys. Uh, you know, it, it's just that they don't have the, the location. Uh, they don't have the mound presence. They're they're not. Major league pitchers, and if they are, they're the worst starters on a last place team, and that that's where we are right now with the Reds. It's it's nothing personal against them. We as as an organization, the Reds have made some major major mistakes in either recruiting or developing pitchers, and that's that's the name of the game. The Indians have done it just the right way, and you can see the difference. You know, we talked about Ian Kinsler of Detroit earlier in the broadcast, and uh, it was released that he was put on waivers by the Tigers, Mark, and one team claimed him. Now, of course, they never announced what team actually put in a bid on him, but Kinsler, one team picked him up off waivers, and then the Tigers pulled him off the waiver wire. But that means that's the only club that the Tigers are going to be able to trade him to since he was unable to, to get through waivers. They'd have to trade with that team prior to the end of August. Otherwise, Kinsler stays with Detroit. They've been trying to get rid of him now for about a year and a half. Yeah, I mean, he was he was a, an all-star for, for a couple of years, a very good player. But, you know, these teams, as I said, they go through these peaks and valleys, and you have to put everything together as you are peaking upward. And that's what the Reds did not do. And the Indians, I think, with that trade with Jay Bruce, uh, I think they're doing it just right. And by the way, uh, Wojciechowski just gave up another home run to Rizzo. It's getting ugly. <laughs> well, I think Brian Price is also managing his first, his last few games as manager of the Reds also. Well, it's again. I'm not sure what anybody can do with um, with this kind of staff, but uh, we'll see. I mean, there's always next year. Uh, but <laughs> as somebody who who studies this rotation, I don't study it, but I look at it almost daily. Uh, there's there's not a lot of hope right now, uh, and it's too bad because, as I said, the eight players they have behind the pitchers is a pretty darn good ball club, and I, I would put them. I would put 
the red starting eight against any other starting eight in baseball. It, it's that good offensively. But you can't give up seven, eight, nine runs every game and, and think you're going to win anything. You won't. No, you really can't. Mark, congratulations to Chad Bettis, the Colorado Rockies right-handed starting pitcher. He's making his debut tonight. You're saying his debut. What What was wrong with him? He had testicular cancer. And he had to undergo undergo a lot of chemotherapy. And Mark, he's making his debut tonight. So congratulations to him. It looks like he's back on the mound for the Rockies. That's great. It's good. Yep, great, great news. Good news for him, Mark. What What do the Reds have coming up for the rest of the week? Well, unfortunately, they got the Cubs for three more games after tonight. And you were talking about if the Reds won three or four. Uh, I hope they just don't get blown out uh, four games in a row. Uh, so uh, then they have they go down to Atlanta and play somebody probably uh, closer to their ability level, and hopefully they can win a game or two down there. But uh, th- this is David. Th- this is not going to be pretty the rest of the year. How about the Indians? Well, the Indians have got after tonight's win over Boston. They've got they go to Minnesota and take on the Twins. Actually, that ga- those games are in Cleveland. I'm sorry. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday afternoon, they'll play the Twins in Cleveland, and then the Indians go on the road to take on Kansas City. They'll play the Royals this weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and we'll talk all about it next Monday night on the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. Mark, we'll talk to you then. Have a good one, Dave. That's going to do it for tonight's show. Thanks for joining us here this evening on the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. Be sure to join us again next Monday night at 9 o'clock when Mark Donahue and I talk about the Cleveland Indians and the Cincinnati Reds. Until then, for Mark Donahue, I'm Dave Mitchell. Have a good week, everybody.